Trothies, Daggy and Barney are back with you to get through a, a entertaining enough round of rugby league. Barn, we learn a bit about somewhere where some teams are at, and we perhaps question where some other teams are at. What's happening, champion? Yeah, absolutely, we did. Uh, no, not a great deal, mate. Uh, going pretty good. Change a, change a few things up in the lifestyle at the moment, so feeling a bit better. Looking after myself a little bit better than I have done in previous decades. So we'll see see how that goes, but feeling pretty good today. I uh, went down the park with the little one after school and was a sports carnival today. So oh, awesome. <clears throat> she runs a bit better than her sister. She actually she won a couple of running races, <laughs> which was nice to see. So, uh, yes, but um, no, going well. Yourself? Beautiful. It is good to see a smile on your face, young man. <laughs> Wait till Saturday night. We'll see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm right. Tired. Yeah. I'm just uh, getting yeah. through July. It's a rough, rough time of year for me, but. The, uh, the summer's looming, so that's good. It's not too far away, and I'll be enjoying myself again. But uh, it is what it is. You've got to make money somewhere. Um, Absolutely. But no, can't and People complain. might get their returns back and leave you alone for a while. Exactly. So, so can't complain too much. <laughs> uh, let's touch on some news. Just looking now, some injury news very f- to kick us off. Jojo Fafita, a couple of weeks. Uh for his injury, which I've just just escaped me what it is. Um, HIA stuff for Bloor, uh, Sean Bloor, Stefano, and Egan Butcher all at HIA this week. And the big one for you, Barney, is you've lost uh, Bubba Kennedy for the season, it looks like. That's mm, not, like not that ideal way. from where uh, well, what they've produced for the last three or four weeks. No, their attack's been pretty, um, pretty ratchet, and taking him out of it's not going to help, so... <laughs> I saw, or I've seen Connor Tracy's been named this week. I wonder how much they considered yep. maybe Nico back to fullback. Back to fullback. And getting Trindle up and going at seven. But I suppose when you're two years down a path, it's it's tricky to make such a drastic change. Yeah, no, I, I, I dare say, obviously now it looks like Moylan's um, been well and truly put on the back burner. If he was going to come back, it would have been this week, I would have imagined. So, um, yeah, I can... Um, See that seven and six stay, and I'd like to see them play around with a bit, even if they don't change the numbers on their backs. I'd like to see Trindle play a little bit more first receiver, but we'll um, we'll get into that when we talk about it. As you mentioned, uh, to kick off the show, it was a it was a funny week. Every, just about every team that was in, under pressure to cement their spot in their eight failed, and the teams without pressure, the couple at the top, just played like um, nothing worries them at the moment, and just went through the motions and beat up on a couple of teams and the guys down the bottom really went out of their way to annoy annoy a few of those teams trying to cement their spot in the eight. So it was a pretty topsy-turvy week. Um, the ladder didn't change a lot, but it, it just compressed even more from where it was already. So, mm. um, But I do feel like there's a couple of teams which we'll talk on talk about that can springboard and there's a couple that, um, well, the springs might have fallen right off the, off the base of any board they had, but uh, it is interesting. Um, also, I guess the only other real talking point is ta- the sales of um, masking tape when I was over the weekend. Uh, was anything achieved yes. by that um, <laughs> bold statement? Um, well, didn't the NRL have made no comment on it? So it doesn't really. I don't think it has affected them too much. Um, if anything, it probably stalls negotiations a little bit and gets them a bit a little bit offside. But. Um, Really, the only thing that's come of the whole thing over the last three or four, four weeks is just the media ramping up more and more of the 
the rhetoric that they have towards the players at the moment and try and do um you know make out that they're doing the game a disservice by what they're doing. So, uh, and this this is nothing personal against any players, but um, the last three weeks where there's been no player interviews uh, in any of the TV coverage, have you noticed one iota of, of difference? No, <laughs> not nothing really. Um, there's a couple of milestone games where you might have got a couple of nuggets out of um, that's true. A couple of media interviews, but um, other than that, no. Um, you've still sort of seen some of it done on the Monday and Tuesday when they can speak to media anyway. And um, yeah, I, I don't think we've missed out on a great deal of stuff. Well, they're, they're actually um, they've actually probably cut the nose to spite the face because it would have been perfect to have plenty of really pump up the NRLW and get some of those people. In the mm, media, but yeah, absolutely. there they are. Now they're going to complain that they don't get the coverage they deserve. But what a world we live in, eh? <laughs> True. Uh, signing news. The Bulldogs have continued their raid on the Panthers, signing uh, Jamin Salmon for the next couple of years. Blake Taff and Liam Knight have also all gone there, the latter immediately. Uh, Taff, I believe, is a two-year deal as well. Means something, I suppose, Brian. A bit more, um, bit more bulk to their squad more than anything. I can't see any of those guys really pushing for a starting position apart from maybe Taff. But then again, he's probably realistically only going to be playing maybe a 14 role. I think he's still, again, more of a backup player. He may not even make that top 17 each week. So it's, um, it's interesting the way that they've gone to put some pieces around. I, I really thought they would have gone for another one or two um, big men in the middle of the field. But... Well, the, the rumor is that uh, Siswa Takiyahu is on the on the radar next. Yes, uh, so we'll see. I know he is thirty two, but uh, he's very good. And if he's still as good as he was a couple of years ago, uh, <laughs> he would be a very very good signing. Look, they are signing people from successful clubs, but uh, yeah, you find sure. that signing bench players doesn't change a whole lot. We've learned that time and time no. again. Going and trying to either rating players, you know, starting players of the equivalent quality of what you already had or bench players from somewhere else does not uh, uh, you know I just blokes like Connor Watson for example great players but they don't change um, the direction of whole clubs uh, so I, I don't quite really have an opportunity that, and <laughs> again I shouldn't say that's not but, knocking him because yeah. he is a fantastic player he's best but it's like he's been there and back again and didn't really change Newcastle uh, or the culture around True. it uh, speaking of which New Browns going there immediately from the Bulldogs. They've cleared up some space there. Liam Martin's staying at Penrith for three years. Tyron Peachy's re-signed for two, uh, in addition to, um, we talked about Dane Laurie going there. So they've got their reserve-grade stocks well and truly covered. I guess that the next piece of the puzzle, who may well go to the Bulldogs or not, is Luai. He might get a better, he might get that money he wants at the Bulldogs or somewhere else, but... Uh, he might well just stay and move on with Penrith as well. Yeah, I dare say he'll get offered more somewhere else um, outside of the Penrith system. But whether he wants to um, play outside that system, I guess, is up to him. Uh, he's he's probably done his his worth at Penrith. Um, you know, obviously, he'll be remembered as a as one of the be- as a a club great going forward uh, with the the two in a row and possibly a threepeat on the way. So, um, yeah, uh, I'd probably. Realistically, as a player for his legacy and for his um, financial benefit, it probably would be a better thing for him to step away from that system. But 
He has had a very good month in the shop window. He has, hasn't he? (laughs) He's been very good. He has been good. Uh, Credit where it's due there. Uh, Brian Kelly and Phil Sammy have both extended their stay at the Titans too uh, and put on some good football this weekend, actually. so Played well over the weekend. They'll be there till 2026. Jack DeBellin has failed in his attempt to downgrade his charge, so he'll be spending four weeks on the sideline now. Val Holmes is about to go before the board, as we record, I believe. Yeah, a couple of minutes out, apparently. Um, the Bellum one, I'm surprised they didn't get it down to a grade one, to be honest. Um, to, with the one or two-week two week ban, um, it didn't seem like one of the more cynical ones that we've seen in previous times. It still wasn't great, obviously. But um, And Val Holmes, I don't think he's got much chance of getting a downgrade, but we'll see what happens there. It's no. definitely worse than the one the week before. So, 100%. I think he might be... Uh... Sharing a similar fate, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, anything else caught your eye over the weekend? No, not out of hand. Yourself? No, nah, not really. Not not outside <laughs> of what we're going to uh, touch on here. Uh, you did nab me by about twelve points in Supercoach, for the record. You now do or die. Yeah, somehow, I managed to get away with captaining one said Valentine Holmes and picking up about sixty points. So. <laughs> Probably could have, should have grabbed me there, but um, well, I decided DC was the answer after all that, and um, he was not. Nor was Nico or Valentine Holmes no. for me. So. Um, after after captaining Harry the last two weeks, so hey, you only got one hundred and fifty. Something thirty-two to ten. The Brisbane Broncos kicked off uh, with the Roosters in a an entertaining game of rugby league. Uh, Roosters did come to play for the, especially the first half, uh, and the Broncos st- stamped their class here. You got some stats for us? Yeah, we had five tries for Brisbane, two for the Roosters. Five out of five conversions played, one out of two. One out of one penalty attempts for Brisbane. Eighty-two percent completion played, sixty-six percent. Five line breaks to one. Forty-four tackle busts for the Brisbane side. Twenty for the Roosters. Two off, uh, 12 offloads to 14, one forced dropout from both teams, 281 tackles made by Brisbane, 339 made by the Roosters, 11 errors to 13, seven penalties conceded to eight, one ruck infringement against both teams, three inside the 10 infringements against the Roosters. Paddy Carrigan with 97 supercoach points, Adam Reynolds with 80, and then three other Brisbane players before you got down to Daniel Tupu on 66. They, as I said, the Roosters came to play here uh, and matched them physically for a long time. But ultimately, to use, to use one of my favourite cliches, it seems, uh, class did prevail by the end. Uh, what do you make of, of the effort here? It's pretty dominant by the end of the match, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was a couple of those performances this weekend. This one was one of the more impressive ones, I thought. Though It was a complete effort from the Broncos. They um they didn't let up from go to woe. They were matched with some fire and brimstone, a lot of physicality early from the Roosters, who did definitely come and treat this as a do or die match. Um, they fought very hard for long periods of the game, but whatever the Broncos um seemed to try just came off perfectly. Whether it be short kicks back towards the post for Ezra Mam to sc- scoop up and score under the post, or every time they went wide, they just seemed to. Um, obviously, there's a couple of breakdowns in play there, but more more often than not, it seemed to hit the right man at the right time and um, create options out wide. Um, 
Roosters, I thought, felt like they were sort of on the back foot for a lot of the match, scrambling, trying to shut down what Brisbane were throwing at them, even though they were coming, you know, putting a lot of effort in there. Um, they they seemed to put on a couple of nice attacks, but they just couldn't make a dent on the Broncos in the first half. That scramble, they've got one of the best scramble defences in the comp at the mm-hmm. moment, the way that they turn up for each other and are able to turn the opposition away on their own try line. Um, and that's held up for all Extremely well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was a little bit shaky at different periods early in the season, but yeah, the, the, probably the last 10 weeks have been very good with that scramble defence, and they probably saved a couple early. Um, they defended extremely well. The The ref got so excited, he decided he'd <laughs> save a try himself as well. <laughs> Get in the way of poor Tyson Smoothie there. Um, it was a pretty good shot to stop him a couple of metres out. It's um, it was about... 10 or 15 minute periods, the Roosters seemed to get the better of the game. Um, and they ran in two tries. But in between those two tries, it was, there was an error that they gifted Brisbane one to get, you know, which if you're going to get those two tries and try to get back into the game, you really can't be coughing up the ball halfway through it and giving it back for Brisbane just to run away and score points. So instead of it being a, a 12 or a 12-point turnaround, it only ends up being a four- or six-point turnaround, and yeah, it, it really didn't put the pressure on Brisbane enough um, when they did score those couple of tries. There was also a period where concentra- Jared um, seemed determined to be sin-binned. He, um, yeah, he, he does that most he, matches. He tried about – he had a version of all four illegal tackles in a space of about four sets at one point. He, uh, <laughs> after the headshot, he stayed yeah. on, and he went for a half chicken wing one set, and the next set he – it was pretty close to a hip drop, and after that was pretty bloody close to a crusher. But he stayed on. Um, uh, he he was up for the physicality, but, yeah, I thought he was determined to find himself off. Yep. Uh, the Roosters' forwards were decent, but they concentrated their attack on the left-hand side and really didn't go to their right at all, um, which seems strange to me considering the guys that they've got out there on that right-hand side. Um Manu and Suwali realistically didn't get into the game at all, but they didn't. Neither of them came looking for the ball either. So, when you're in that kind of situation where you need your best players in and around the ball, those two really should be sniffing around looking for other options. You saw in some of the later games on the weekend, centers were folding around and playing double centers on one side of the field and things like that, just to add that extra option. But it didn't come here from the Roosters, which well, surprised me. And then I saw there was commentary overnight that people outraged at the suggestion that Swaley was overrated again. Like, what, what are the people that are outraged <laughs> watching? Well, he has been this year. He has he's provided very little for the majority of the season. Yeah. He's been kicking kick a few goals here and there. His kicking's been quite good. There's goal kicking, but he, um, in attack, he hasn't provided a lot for him recently. Uh, second half. The majority we... of the season, really. Well, no, uh, especially not as an attacking option. We've seen him be given cracks at fullback and, um, yeah. yeah. So um, I assume he's just trying to get through with both legs attached and off to rugby land next year. We, well, we need to give... Um, you going mention second half? I was going to mention that um, we saw Pat Carrigan end up on edge in a second half and all of a sudden the best lock in the game looked like the best back rower in the game for about 20 minutes. It was fantastic there. Uh, and I was so happy to see him cross the line. Uh, in the season for it Absolutely. in his 77th game. I thought it was fantastic whole game, but the second half especially a bit wider showed what potentially could offer. Um, very, very good. Uh, and the other two I wanted to mention basically were just how good a form those Brisbane centres are in. Stax is having 
just about as good a season as he's ever had as a complete season. He's so dangerous every time he touches yep. the ball. Last six weeks, he started hitting people again in defence as well. Uh, he really has been fantastic in defence. Uh, with, as you said, that scramble, but also just um, the physicality around it. I think between them, they had nearly 20 tackle busts in this game. I think Herbie was uh, something like 10. Where are we here? Talk amongst yourselves, punters. Yeah, 10 tackle busts and Katoni six. <laughs> uh, and both look super dangerous. When you throw in your Cobos, Mariners and Arthurs next to them uh, and Reese Walsh setting them up, it's uh, a, a very, very impressive back line. Yeah, Reese Walsh seems a little bit off the pace in this one, considering some of the things he's done earlier in the year. But um, he did, again, have some moments of absolute magic where he just tore the, the opposition apart. It was almost like he um, went away from what's been working. He wasn't really taking the line on as much. He was passing a lot no, before the line, uh, even kicking a lot before the line at times, rather than really trying to hit the line or, or drag plays into it. Yep. I thought Jared was very good, um, as was Brandon Smith. Their halves were okay uh, without being good again. Um, Billy Smith and Tupu were the best, obviously, of their outside backs because that's where they focused a lot of their work. Um, Tyrell May and Radley had, had some um, some strong work in the middle of the field as well as uh, Nat Butcher. They were they were probably their best three players for the Roosters. Uh, Jensen, Paliasia were both decent. Their halves were fantastic. Um, yes. Both of them had very good games in this one. Uh, again, AJ just uh, A Ray just picking his times and moments. His kicking game is fantastic, and Ezra seemed um, ultra aggressive in this one, especially with his running game and um, any support play. So, which um, came off with a try there. I think might maybe even got a double, did he? Or got close to a double. Yeah, anyway. close to a double. But, um, yeah, he was. Um, no, he did get a double. Very good in and around uh, the middle of the field. And there was another couple. He, was, he got quite close. Mm, yeah, they were. I thought they were very good. Uh, Walsh was Walsh was good. Uh, Hass was very good again. Uh, up up near the best players on the field. Stags and Farmworth, you already mentioned, but Carrigan was the best player on the field by a fair way. Um, Capewell was up there with him too in this game. Uh, it was probably his best game of the season for the Broncos. Well, they hit their stride at the right time. The bit, some of these injuries the last couple of weeks couldn't have happened at a better time because I'm not sure you would have got Payne Hass and Carrigan to have rests. No, uh, so that those sort of two week, I reckon those two and three week breaks uh, are invaluable, and we've seen like got and, one more freshen up in them too, don't they? Got I think, and they've got to buy yeah. at the back end, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, they, inadvertently they've they've set themselves up for a real good run home for a team that uh, we saw last year really gas out. I don't see that happening this year. No, definitely not. There's no signs of it anyway. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. And so, oh, well, the Roosters done. They got they got a, they've got a pretty good draw, but I think they now have to win and win well all four. It's going to have to win every single game and probably win one of them by thirty or forty points. Yeah, and uh, their attack they... hasn't been clicking for mine. I I think Thursday night sees them completely gone. To be honest, I, I'm tipping the Eagles to win that game. So yeah. Uh, all righty, three points, Carrigan. Absolutely. I had Ezra Mam as my second, second choice. I had Ezra Mam for two. Yeah. I thought it was very good. And then I had Reynolds or Stags for the one. That was pretty much my four. You know, we said, it, let's go with Katoni. That's under we mentioned Adam Reynolds, but he was fantastic and has been all year. Absolutely. 
Friday night saw the Tigers head to Tamworth to take on South's final score was 32 to 18. Uh, Barney will talk about this and I'll sit in the corner and listen to some hand flutes or something. It's kind of what you did on Friday night, wasn't it? Close. <laughs> Please. <Yeah. laughs> three tries to the Tigers, six to South. Three out of three conversions played four out of six for South Sydney. A missed field goal attempt for South. 69% completion played 80%. 425 plus running meters and 89 plus post contact meters for South Sydney. So, give me one second. I'm going to throw something at my dog. Stop <laughs> <Oi>, it. <laughs> 89 plus post contact meters for South. Seven line breaks to eight. 38 tackle bus to 33. Nine offloads to 10. Four force dropouts from the South side. 359 tackles played 260. 12 errors to nine. Six penalties conceded to three. Three ruck infringements to two. Alex Johnson with 122 supercoach points. Coruscant with 120. Isaiah Tass with 99. Um, yeah, I, I thought Tigers fought, fought really well in this. <laughs> fought well. They were competitive. Even felt like they were getting on top at times. Um, Call me mad, their but best. if Tigers had a bit, from the parts I allegedly saw, if Tigers had it executed <laughs> properly in this game, do they win? You get very close to winning, yeah. Mm. Very close to winning. Um, they they seem to consistently trouble the South Sydney edges, at, um, especially in the second half, and cre created a lot of opportunities which just didn't get cashed in. Um, as I said, I, I felt they were getting on top at times. Both teams weren't at their best trading errors and penalties, but the last 15, 20 minutes of each half just seems to be the Tigers' downfall in this game. Um, they... What what was it here? Like they they did everything they seemed to make their life as hard as possible. The last twenty minutes of the match, they gave away two penalties, four errors, received six um, forced dropouts against them. Like <laughs> when you're having to take six dropouts in twenty minutes, cough the ball up four times, and um, give away a couple of penalties. Like it's just just runs like that that seem to plague the Tigers throughout the season, where they just have a fifteen twenty minute terrible spell and. Um, it, it ends, um, you know, it, all chances of winning the game. The, the other problem they is were in they become um, in and around. They're, they're incapable of weathering the storm as well. Like as soon as within minutes of one of those, everything you just mentioned, someone scores. Yep. Generally, yeah. Um, great way to start the game: throwing a intercept to, AJ, to Alex Johnson. <laughs> Bateman did a pirouette and hit AJ on the chest for him to run away to score, which was a bit embarrassing, but. Um, it was a minute and 30 into the game. Uh, every time um, Appy's, Appy hit back pretty quickly for the Tigers, which was a nice try again. He just seems to be finding the line recently. So it might be worth putting a dollar on him for any time try scorer most weeks because you probably get three bucks. But um, South, when they got good second phase play or... Um, or quick play the balls, they really started to put a dent through the, the Tigers and make massive meters, which made uh, life a lot harder for the Tigers to get, you know, they probably, where they they defend well for three tackles and then they get a quick play the ball or a second, or an offload, second phase play, and then they'd make 20 or 30 meters. So instead of returning the ball from their 30, they're now returning it from pretty much in the corner. And you know how hard it is to try and ruck the ball out of your own corner. Um, Tigers, yeah, they, as I said, they created enough opportunities in this game and that 18-20 looked like they had the better of the momentum. Um, 
and then it all just fell apart as i said earlier with that last 20 minutes buller and um buller junior tupu and brooks were decent papali and twa were very good uh and pole and stefano were great like these two young fellas that have been coming through for a little while now they um really stepped up in this match and they were they were fantastic Coruscant was the best player on the field. I don't care if you're a South supporter. You can't tell me that he wasn't the best player on the field in this game. He did set save two or three tries off his own bat, scored himself, set up tries. He was um, pulling the ruck apart at different parts of the game, and I thought he was uh, stupendous in this game. He's been phenomenal Tass since Mil- he's back. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Isaiah Tass, Tane Milne and Walker were all good uh, without being tremendous. Cook, Kulamatangi, and Ilias were strong. It was probably one of Ilias's better games. Uh, not that he's had too many of those this year. AJ and Trell and Murray were all all had a really good impact on the match. So they were probably the three guys that had the most impact for the South Sydney team. Yeah, well, tell, how was Latrell's uh, resumption? Uh, limited involvements, but seemed to chime in nicely, especially when the Tigers were on the back foot, running directly. Uh, you know, running very direct and drawing players, and a nice cutout for AJ to score in the corner. Uh, definitely, that you know, you can see they're a two try better team with him there, mm. even when he's not playing at his best. He just creates the, the different options, and um, at at worst, he can just bust the line himself and score as well. So he's um, yeah, definitely a threat for teams coming going forward. Considering that's his first game in six or eight weeks, I'm worried about what he could do on Saturday night. Yeah, but ultimately, I mean, there's a couple things with Souths. I they got the they got bogged here. down a lot in this game. Yeah, and and they at their worst they can, uh, and yeah. I feel like they're 26 points now. Like I don't think they're a lock for the eight here. And as we've touched on, they're gonna they've gone come back from Tamworth. They're about to go to Cairns, I believe. Perth, 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 Perth first. Perth. Yeah, Perth, and yeah. then they're going up north. Um. They're not like they've got two days travel a week for the next four weeks. Uh, that's not ideal when you're trying to one keep Latrell's legs on, and two um, <laughs> playing the way they have for the last couple of weeks. I, I yeah, whoever loses this game at seven thirty on Saturday, you can pretty much say they're not. They're the first yeah. ones that are missing that eight, and then the other ones aren't. No, so <laughs> even the one that wins probably no certainty of making the eight either. So the best thing that's happened to him is that the wheels have probably fallen off two or three teams that would have been in and around there, uh, such as the ones we'll get to in a sec. But uh, they, yeah, I, I anyone, I, I cannot possibly entertain anyone saying that they're the only dangers to Penrith or the only couple of dangers to Penrith. No, I agree with you there completely. I gave Appy three points. I had Murray with two, mm-hmm. and then I had either Latrell or Alex Johnson for the one. Yeah, I think give it to Latrell. That's fine. 46-16, the game I can talk more about, uh, is the, as the Storm uh, yeah, put the sword to another top eight challenger and I would say probably did enough to close out their finals hopes, uh, all things being equal for the remainder of the year. They're, you can do the stats, Barn. We had... Eight tries to three, seven out of eight conversions played two out of three. 86% completion played 74%, 239 plus running meters and 89 plus post contact meters for the Storm. 11 line breaks to six, 45 tackle busts to 25, 14 offloads from both teams, one force dropout from the Eels team, 
340 tackles played, 362. Six errors for the Storm, 11 for Parramatta. Four penalties conceded to three. Six ruck infringements to four. One inside the 10 against the Storm. Hughes with 156 supercoach points. Harry Grant with 149. And Hopgood with 104. It seems amazing to me to suggest anyone but Harry Grant might have got three points in this game after or at halftime. But um, he had a yeah, pretty good challenger. Um, but that was all from, come off the back of the complete dominant, probably the most dominant forward display I can remember a Melbourne team putting out uh, in, well, this year. Uh, I yeah, absolutely. thought this um, spruiked at times. I know they're missing RCG. Uh, forward pack from uh, Parramatta was completely and utterly dominated. As a result, Harry Grant just completely had his way with it. Uh, 15, 20 metres, and it looked like he had all the time in the world to put whoever he wanted, wherever he wanted, uh, and was absolutely incredible for large chunks. And Parramatta pretty much had no answer. Uh, on the back of that, Jerome Hughes uh, is a class running half that had all the time and space of the world and proceeded to completely and utterly tear them apart. Uh, and everyone else looked great on the back of it, Barn. That's about it, eh? Those two guys just absolutely played with this Parramatta defence on just on the right-hand side of the post for a good 50 minutes of this game. <laughs> In between the two of them, if they weren't passing for each other, they were passing for blokes on the inside and outside of their shoulders. Just a short, simple passing game uh, mixed in with some fast running and a few, few sidesteps, and they just blew Parramatta off the off the park. Um, both, both teams started pretty quickly. Uh there was a um, you know, an error in a six again, which saw Parramatta get down there and uh, strip Melbourne on the edge, which I thought was worrying signs to begin with, but was not a worry in the world <laughs> by the end of the game. Um, the once they um, yeah, sorry, they went for set for set for about five five uh, five minutes or so, but then um, as you mentioned, Harry Grant just really started to dominate in and around the middle of the field. Soon as there was a quick play of the ball, he was just pinning his ears back and running at running at markers and dragging them with him, and then providing balls for the guys on the outside. Um, lovely little split where he split uh, Paulo and Gutherson and <laughs> jagged in between the two of them to score uh, early. You, you've mentioned like the whole game is summed up by Harry Grant and Jerome Hughes just terrorising the Parramatta defence because they did it for so long. Um, there's only a couple of passes wide as well, and the, which is concerning for Parramatta because they've been getting stripped out on the edges. And generally, you don't get... Like, when you see teams pulled apart like that, just on the edge of the ruck, there's probably a bit more to the defensive problems than what's what's been shown up. Like, I know there was a, there was a couple of times where it was just an inside pass and guys were going through completely untouched. Mm. Like, Liero scored one under the post, I think, off Jerome Hughes. I don't think anyone put a hand on him. Uh, the Harry Grant one out of dummy half, they, they both just tap, tapped him as he went past. Um, <laughs> yep. it, I haven't seen Parramatta's middle fall apart like that. No. For not a long in, time. Not in three years. No. Well, two and a um, half. Yeah, it left me worried what the hell's going on there. Munster felt a little bit left out, so he decided to do a bit of dancing and stepping and scored a nice little try on his own over on the left-hand side as well. Um, I mean, yeah, amazing to, to beat the, six to blokes without and... a single hand on him. <laughs> yeah, I know. And as I mentioned again, it was just blokes not completely not getting touched. Um, 
Penasini and Simonson were okay, ball in hand again, but I say that pretty much most weeks. They're good with the ball. They get troubled without it. Um, Moses Cartwright and Paulo were very good. Madison was fantastic, and Hopgood was their best player. But there was some, um, yeah, some massive defensive issues in Parramatta in this one. Liero Katoa were good. Munster, King, and Welch were very were great. Like, um, I think that's probably King and Welch's best game that I've seen out of them this year, if not very close to it. As you mentioned, which was on the back of missing Nelson, and yeah, I haven't seen a dominant display through the middle out of Melbourne, and they those two were a big part of it. Seve was good. Grant and Hughes were just amazing. Like they were the best two players on the field by the length of the field. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody got anywhere near them realistically at the end of it. So this is as close as I've come to thinking of giving both three, but. I, sp- mm. I suppose in the interest of fairness, we'll go. It's our show. We can do what we want. But uh, I think you have to give Hughes the edge Absolutely. by the end of it. Uh, I ended up giving Hughes the edge, yeah. yeah. Um, his stats were ridiculous by the end of this game. <laughs> I know most of it was laid on by Harry, uh, disrupting the ruck to be able to give him the opportunity to to go and do what he did. But, um, yeah, it was. I think it was four try assists, a try um uh, like three or four line breaks. I wrote it down somewhere. Where did I write it down? Here it is. 20 runs, 185 metres, a try, four try assists, six tackle busts, three line breaks, four line break assists. Like, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and Harry wouldn't for, have been far behind. I suppose he plus can 40 have three. Tackles. Yeah, plus 40 tackles. Uh, two to Harry, and I agree with you, either Walsh or King for the one. Yeah, I, I threw Hopgood in there as well, but... Um, Probably, I'd probably say King. Yep, I'm okay with that. Uh, Super Saturday kicked off with the, well, I was quite happy uh, having tipped him. The Knights casting stouts over the fifth place Raiders here uh, in a very average uh, showing from the home team, but uh, a good showing from Newcastle. What does the stats say here, Brian? Yeah, one try for the Raiders, four for the Knights, one out of four, one conversion, four out of four for the Newcastle team, two out of two penalty attempts, and a missed field goal attempt for Newcastle. Seventy-two percent completion, played seventy-one percent, five hundred and forty-nine plus running meters, and one hundred and thirteen plus post-contact meters for Newcastle. Four line breaks to six, twenty-eight tackle busts to forty-two from Newcastle. Five offloads from both teams, three forced dropouts forced by Newcastle. 349 tackles played, 336. 16 errors for Canberra, 14 for Newcastle. One ruck infringement to four, two inside the tens against Newcastle. Ponga with 122 supercoach points, Gay Guy with 97. Then you had two other Newcastle players before you get down to Whiten on 69. Where do you start here? Uh, should it be the dumb shit Canberra did or should it be the good shit that um, Newcastle did or a combination of both? Well, the Raiders look... Look sore in this. Like they all look like they were all carrying injuries. They look sore. They look slow. They looked old. Yeah. Um, apart from one or two players in the likes of Tomoko and probably Tarpane, the rest of them all looked like they were busted. They looked like they were crying out for a rest. And um, possibly <laughs> Ricky might want to give them a rest over the next week or two to try and make sure they can cement that spot in the in the top five. Because for mine, they looked like they'd been. They've been grinding so long to get to where they have that they, they look like they need a bit of an ease up for me. Yeah. Um, it really did catch up, catch up to them in this game. Newcastle, on the other hand, looked really fast, fresh, aggressive, uh, willing to spread the ball. 
to the edges, which has been Canberra's probably biggest issue this year of um, being a, you know caught out wide on the edges, which which most two teams do. Don't um, don't get me wrong. Don't, I'm not saying that they're horrible out wide, but um, they they do get caught out there occasionally. Um, Croker's seeming a bit fragile to me. Sort of getting yeah, back to week. where he was yeah. last year. Um, so there's some defensive issues there out this week. I'm not sure if that's the worst thing for them. Um, but enthusiasm for mine was the complete opposite, polar opposites in this these two teams. And that's what won them the game, realistically. Canberra looked down and out after about 15 or 20 minutes and Newcastle were that far up and humming and just doing everything they could to get the ball to swing from one side of the field to the other. And Canberra just couldn't keep up with them at all. Agree. I thought they should have won by more. I should. <laughs> Agree. Well, it, it, yeah, the way the back end of the game panned out was a bit, um, yeah, flattering to Canberra is all I say. A bit droll. Yeah, yeah, leave it there. Absolutely. At their best, this, um, say something, no, no, that was bold. At their best, this left-hand edge uh, from Newcastle is in the conversation for as good as any in the game. And people have slept on it and still are. But Hastings going to the line with Ponga and then um, Fitzgibbon, best right now, the best we're getting now, and Marzu, it's, it can be devastating. We saw that in this first half. It was um, when they're crisp and firing, as good as any. And in the back end of that half, they flicked to the other side and started bringing um, Dom Young into the yeah, game. Gay guy in attack this year has been better than he has for a while, I think. Um Defence, obviously, there's some issues there, but his his attack's been brilliant uh, for a lot of games this year. You throw Frizzell in there and and Dom Young on the end of that. That that other side's not so bad either. So there's points on both sides of the field for him. It's just about being able to complete and um, execute, obviously, when they get into positions to do it. So, and I think, and this is all of them, um, which we didn't see at all at the start of the year, is no, why well, the opinions everyone held about them for so long were. Was pretty justified to begin with, but they've they've completely changed. What probably eight weeks ago, and that coincided with their spine being put in the right spot. Uh, and Hastings, the the combination of Hastings Pong is now just fantastic. As I've said it for a month now, but the ability of both to go into the line and create space for the guys outside them, it's either it's making Fitzgibbon look like a as good a back rower going around, and and you know yep. he, he, to use a form line, he's um. He's pretty well exposed. And uh, Bradman Best now looks like, the, as I said last week, the, the Bradman Best were promised three years ago. Uh, he's now getting yeah, yeah. one-on-one with people and just steamrolling him. Throwing some guys around, yeah. Or, or getting it onto Marzu, who's doing the same thing. Uh, I think, I believe, uh, what's their run home, actually? But I would rather back them. I mean, you know, they've now put four in a row together. I would rather back them to make the eight than I would... Probably the three teams above them, three of those four teams above them, Cowboys. I'll forgive this week for now, but um, they've got now. they've yeah. got the Dolphins, the Bulldogs, a real potential cracker against the Rabbitohs. Same against the Sharks and then the Dragons. They win three of those games are in the finals. Well, they, those they three teams four of those play games, each other as well. So yeah, they win. Four of those games, they finish fifth. Yeah, yeah. So realistically, they only need to pick up one of those two games against Souths and or the Sharks, and hope that the uh, the uh, 
the the opposition do them a favour when Souths and Sharks? Well, they'll know because Sharks and Souths will play each other this week. So yeah, um, if they win both of them games, they're pretty much cemented in the eight, and those two probably drop out. But you've also got Parramatta there, who's holding on to grim death. Um, mainly if they can string a couple together, it's just uh, it's crazy. Anywhere up to as you said, the Raiders still a chance of missing the eight at the moment with their four and against. So. What? Even though their run is complimentary, but... Well, they've got the Dogs and the Tigers next three weeks. That said, um, that... Doesn't mean they don't come out and put our spoiler job on them. Well, this is the thing. If if they're busted, uh, they're now, yeah. you know, get into a bash fest against the Tigers. Who knows what can happen? Tigers should have beat them last time around. Dogs, uh, dogs are pretty physical on the weekend as well. Mm. Yeah, they had a bit more gusto, didn't they? Um, what do you what do you do with both these teams and for the for the, to wrap this comp up? Oh yeah, well as I said, I'd probably rate Newcastle at the moment a higher proposition of making the eight than um yeah I'm, I'm a, I am concerned about the Raiders to be honest. Um, even though they do have a complimentary draw, they they looked extremely fatigued on the weekend, and I don't know what changes to get them back into you know <laughs> their middles to, um look to. Like they'd had enough at different parts of this game, so there yeah. needs to be something found there. I know they've they've got the guys there to do it in Horsburgh, Papali, Tarpane, um, Chucking Gawler, and the likes. But um, yeah, they, they need a lot more enthusiasm and energy out of them than what they got out of them this weekend. So. None of them are young either, which is mm. the other concern. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Newcastle got points in them, and I back them uh, on their day to beat. More sides than probably uh, than anybody. Then they're going to beat Newcastle. So, but uh, again, they have to have their day. We saw earlier in the year they have they had two and three games where they put together that were um, absolutely horrible. So <laughs> it's just so yeah, up in yeah. the air at the moment. It's not funny. If, if Newcastle win these next five, right off the four straight, do we have to start talking mm. about this run from Ponga in like Kano Nine Pylons since he's gone to fullback? Oh. He'd want to. He'd probably want to put three out of the next five man and match performances in. But I'm yeah. saying if they win those yeah, five and knock off South mm. and the Sharks and they finish sixth, it's a fair run because they'll go it nowhere. Is, they, absolutely, they'll, it is. They'll go they were going nowhere. nowhere. They were getting beaten comprehensively week after week. But um, yeah, Canberra up there in enthusiasm in the second half, but it was just too little, too late. The Tomoko was their best of their back five again. He has been week in and week out for that team. Um, Young, Whitehead were good. Tarpane was their best. Thompson, Thompson, Frizzell were very good. Leo Thompson's actually starting to turn into quite a nice physical front rower there, um, something that they've got going forward. Elliot Whitehead were... Uh, sorry. <laughs> Elliot was very strong. Not, I don't know why I put Elliot Whitehead. <laughs> Uh, Elliot, yeah, Whitehead was very strong in this game. Gamble, Marzu were very good. Um, Dick, Gamble's actually starting to create quite a few problems that he wasn't creating earlier in the year uh, on that right-hand edge, playing more of a direct running line, sort of like a, a back rower more so than a six, but it's um it's it's chiming in nicely with Ponga sweeping around the back and Frizzell on his outside edge as well. So Well, you mentioned Abby working well as together. a, you know, someone to think about for your multis every week. He has to be as well. I think he's he scored in the last few games. Yeah, two or three. Mm. 
Gay Guy and Ponga were deadly ball in hand. Like they were just causing no end of problems <laughs> for their opposition. I actually gave Gay Guy the man of the match in this one. Okay. I thought what he did to to release uh, both Dom Young's tries came directly from Gay Guy. Um, yep. I thought he was fantastic in attack. Uh, whereas Ponga might have been flattered by a few of the options he had on his outside, and it was sort of more the passing that did it than um, than Gay Guy did. But Ponga definitely gets two. And then I had Fitzgibbon or Tarpane for the one, but probably Fitzgibbon. I'll give it to Fitzgibbon. He's just having it. He's probably having his best year as well. He's had Close his moments. But, um, you know, he's avoided the pumpkin going on too often and um, he's playing well. <laughs> Considering he was a perennial pumpkin yeah. there for a couple of years. <laughs> he was perennial pot plant. He was nearly, uh, he was who the first was, award was named after. He was the, pretty the pot much. plant. 24 to 18, the Seagulls scrambled home against the Dragons in uh, DC's 300th game. Uh, again, a, t- a game where I don't, you know, you would have liked, if you're a Manly fan, you would probably want to see slightly more. But um, they were plucky enough, the Dragons, Barn. I thought the Dragons were actually quite good. Probably close to their best game of the year. But um, we had three tries to four. Two out of three conversions played three out of four. One penalty attempt. One can one sex fuck me. One successful <laughs> penalty attempt from both teams. Eighty one percent completion played sixty eight percent. Four hundred and thirty plus running meters and hundred and fifteen plus post contact meters for the dragon side. Five line breaks to seven, twenty six tackle bus to twenty eight, eleven offloads to five, two force dropouts from the dragon side, two hundred and nineteen tackle two ninety nine tackles played three hundred and sixty six. Seven errors from the Dragons, 12 from the Manly team, eight penalties conceded to five, one ruck infringement to two, zero inside the tens against the Dragons, three against Manly, a sin bin for the Dragons. Jason Saab with 102 supercoach points, Schuster with 86, and then you had two other Manly players before you got to Francis Molo from the Dragons on 77. Yeah, well, take us through, um, yeah, the Dragons have it then, you you're quite yeah, well, I thought they played a lot better than they have, for, as I said, for a lot of the matches this year. They did most of the little things right, which um, you haven't seen out of them a lot this year. They played um, pretty high up tempo, committed. They were committed in defence. They didn't really give up. They had opportunities towards the back end of the game to just let the game flow and manly to dictate terms, and they, they didn't do that. Um, they were very physical, especially early. Um, Sully got in there, bashed a couple of blokes, so did... Um, the Bellin and Laurie was in and around creating a bit of ruckus in the middle of the field. Um, I thought Manly probably were comfortably the stronger team in what in the way in their creative play uh, compared to what the Dragons were doing, but um, the Dragons kept kept coming at them. Um, Manly seemed to slow down a little bit once they hit that twenty-two to six lead, which was probably part of the reason why the Dragons did get back as close as they did, but credit to them they jumped straight on it and um once once they uh once they turned the momentum they would have scared the absolute bejeebus out of that manly side because they were coming to get him right up until the last couple of minutes and it was as, as close as a what was a minute and 20 to go where uh the dragons ended up getting pushed into touch with a scoring opportunity um that created down that right hand edge um The sin bin for mine was probably a big one. It seemed to sort of let Manly, because Manly seemed quite frazzled up at, at, at that point when DeBellin did get sent to the sin bin and um, the Dragons were sort of buzzing around and on top a little bit. 
and then um, Manly seemed to be able to sort of level out and uh, just get back into the grind. And DCE took a bit more control in the field position stakes and kicking and stuff like that. And that was really what got them home. Um, but yeah, it's to come down to the last set of the game, I thought it was I thought it was a pretty impressive effort from the Dragons. And whether they continue that and try, you know, obviously their goal now is to upset as many people as they can for the rest of the season. But um, yeah, I thought they 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 made a pretty good fist of this one. Yeah, no fair. A uh, couple of blokes I was, I guess, had notes to wrap. I thought Cooler was very good uh, in attack, yes. uh, creating some chance. Probably key to. Half their points, half their points, if not more. Um, just being able to, similar to what you said about Gago, actually, either create chances for Saab or to, um, or just through his own Get his nose through or break yeah. the line. Yeah, I thought yeah. he had a really, really good showing here. Uh, and uh, I guess Schuster, who is has been, um, you know, up and down and uh, a punching bag at times for us, but... Uh, had enough t- nice touches in this. Uh, ultimately, yeah, going to be better back in the perhaps a link thirteen role, but um, was good enough linking up with him. Yeah, I thought the middles um, were pretty. The middle was pretty much dominated by the Dragons most of the night. Uh, the likes of Little Laurie Burns were good. Francis Milo probably had his best game of the year. Yeah. Dan Russell's been a good pickup for him. Young back rower who's going strong. Um, the halves were decent, and Sloan was very good at times. I thought he had a couple of nice touches again, but he does go missing too often. Um, when when uh, the game's there to be won, Jack DeBellin and Lomax were fantastic. They were probably Dragons' best two players. Uh, Cooler and Saab were great, as you mentioned. Uh, they had a nice combination going down that side. Lodge and were strong in the middle of the field for the Manly side. Fullimore and Tuolagi were serviceable <laughs> maybe a little bit better than serviceable and jake just tackled his ass off without doing too much in attack croker dce were awesome uh they were big they had a big part to play in um the the attacking stuff that happened out of the manly side and again croker was um yeah one of my better players he just missed out on the points but he's definitely worth a mention again how good he's been um I had Cooler or Saab for the three points. Didn't know which way to go. Um, I went with Saab three, Cooler two, and then I had um, DCE or or uh, Lomax for the one. Uh, I'm happy to go with Saab. I, I, I had it the other way around. I had Cooler. Yeah, go uh, the other way around. Cooler, DCE. Cooler, Saab, Saab, and uh, yeah, Lomax, who has been had a, had a really, really good five or six weeks. Yeah, again, another one, as soon as he's got told he can move on, <laughs> starts playing out of his skin. Amazing, isn't it? And now it's apparently they're talking about him starting a fullback next year, but I, I know that's been right. tried before. Okay. Uh, so don't know how well that mm. um, that might come through. Received. But are you, you, you know, Manly probably aren't going too much higher than where they are now? I wouldn't think so. Obviously, they've still got plenty of opportunity to do so, but... Um, I think when you do start get to getting to the better teams that with the rushing defenses, they're going to be able to do enough to shut, especially shut down the middle of the field, which um, really stops their go to, uh, go forward. And then off the back of that, it makes it extremely hard to be able to unlock the pace that they've got out wide. So mm. I think um, some of these stronger teams will wrap up that middle pretty, 
pretty easily and, and stopped them. So. Yeah, no, uh, don't have much more to add. Main event Saturday, 28-0, the Sharks turned up at Bluebet Stadium <laughs> and were soundly trounced. Would you like to talk about it, Bun? Sure. Five tries to zero, four out of five conversions, zero out of zero for Cronulla. <laughs> A missed two-point field goal attempt from Penrith. 87% completion, played 66%, 590-plus running metres and 202-plus post-contact metres for the Penrith side. Four line breaks to three, 44 tackle bust to 27, 11 offloads to nine, four force dropouts from the Penrith side. Two times 40-20s from, from Penrith. Soon, the one time the Sharks actually looked okay and were holding Penrith in their own end. 40-20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 301 tackles played 407, seven errors to 13, three penalties conceded to six, four ruck infringements to five. A sin bin for Penrith, Cleary with 109 supercoach points, McGuinness with 87, Brian Toto with 84. What do you say? It's a fantastic team performance for Penrith. They started well and just continued to apply pressure, continually increased the speed and physicality of the way they were playing the football and um, were well and truly on top of this Cronulla side. Um, once again, Canella continued whenever they seemed to be in a half-decent attacking position to cough the ball up and give it back to a Penrith side who needed no opportunity to add any more pressure than what they were already adding to this Cronulla team. Uh, I was glad that the defence didn't completely fall apart from the Cronulla side. They actually did turn up and put a hell of a lot of effort into keeping Penrith away from their goal line which they had to continually turn up for and continually put in because they kept coughing up the ball. It, like, I don't, I don't know when they're going to get it through their heads that the less time that you give the opposition the ball, the less chance they have of scoring <laughs> tries against you, which just doesn't seem, you know, seems pretty simple. Um, obviously, defence and attack work together. Um, if your attack's off, you're just giving the opposition way too many opportunities at your end and then your defence suffers from it. Vice versa, same thing. If your defence is horrible, you don't get in any any good positions to be able to apply any pressure whatsoever. Um, Sharks did get a couple of opportunities to do it, and as I mentioned, uh, went out of their way to drop the ball. So, um, Penrith for clinical. They're intelligent. They just went through, played to their game plan, uh, spe like specifically. Sharks are more committed than they have been in probably the last month. Uh, they actually went out and tried to rattle Penrith's cage a couple of times. Uh, they, they got in their face. They didn't get the, the left hand, didn't get blown open. The right hand didn't get it blown open. It was just consistent pressure. And then eventually it was always going to break no matter who they played. I think Penrith puts 30 to 40 points on most teams this week, no matter who they're playing against. And I was, um, yeah, I was just happy that it didn't get blown out to 50, which it probably should have considering the amount of ball that the Cronulla uh, handed back to Penrith. Yeah. Oh, part of that, not getting blown out. Uh, congratulations to Cam McGuinness, a modern-day <laughs> tackling record, 81 tackles, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> which uh, is an incredible effort. Uh, and there would be very – it would be a short list of people more deserving, put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's like this. He, he just went out of his way. He's like the, the um, drunk, handsy bloke at the end of the bar. Anything that went past him, he grabbed hold of it and <laughs> tried to take it to the ground. Uh, he was fantastic. He had blood spilling out of him left, right and centre, as he does most weeks. 
about time he got 80 minutes and he showed what he can do in that 80 minutes. Not that he was given any opportunity in attack, which he also, um, he adds a lot to this Cronulla. So he's been their best. Apart from when they were up and rolling and Nico and Nakora were causing problems in attack, he's been their best, most consistent player week in, week out, whether it be from the bench or with starting for this Cronulla side. And um, I'd be disappointed if they weren't consider seriously considering him to be team captain next year and starting at 13 and playing 60 to 80 minutes every week. Well, the thing is that supposedly the Fitzgibbon template is that effort on effort and not making mistakes, which uh, mm. isn't really the trademark this year. But if you're going to base your game around it, you'd think he'd be, yeah, the starting point. And we know he can play. Yeah, there wasn't many sharks. Not, not even you know, sharks. Sharks worth. No, that's right. Minimum sixty. I I wouldn't be surprised if he is putting out eighty minutes most weeks next year, and um, he should be starting thirteen for him uh, already. You should have been halfway through the year, but that's that's another story. Not really a lot of sharks worth mentioning. Obviously, it hurt it hurt that um, Kennedy went down in the first yeah. two minutes or whatever it was in the game. Nakora and Hines tried hard, but um, yeah, again, too many too many errors. I thought Hazelton was quite good. He was, I thought he was very good actually. He was given closer to forty minutes here and um, was strong through the middle of the field, bumping a few blokes around. Jack Williams and uh, was another one that was quite good, uh, getting a starting role now. At uh, where Teague Wilton was defending, and I thought he had a very good game. But um, yeah, McGuinness was by far and away the best shark. Um, Taruva and Toto were very good. They set the platform. They were doing huge meters uh, with that first and second hit up, and Taruva really got involved uh, in this one to complement Brian Toto, and they they killed it uh, coming out of dummy half. Fisher, Harris, and Martin were very strong in the limited minutes that they had out there. Um, Sorensen and Luai were awesome. Again, it's a nice little combination. Those two have really brought to the front of uh, Penrith's game recently. And Yo and Cleary were brilliant. Uh, is... Cleary's kicking game in and around the, the try line was fantastic. Long kicking game as well with 40-20s. And um, Yo, again, since the last origin, he's been absolutely brilliant in what he's been putting out. Yeah, my biggest takeaway from this game is I think that Nathan Cleary's injury was the best thing that's going to happen this panel side because he was at his absolute best. Uh, this was the best kicking performance he's produced all year, uh, most comprehensive like comprehensive all-round kicking performance. What was it, nearly 790-something metres? 780, 81, 81 kicking metres. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and as you said, 40-20s, 50-meter field goal, uh, he's short-kicking, he's built... Like, this was just A-plus Nathan Cleary, and that's a pretty, pretty good grade uh, by his standards. Absolutely, it is. Uh, and I would suggest, having seen that, that uh, I would be shocked if he hadn't been carrying a bunch of little niggles and the groin issue and this, that, and the other. Well, he was because we knew Crichton was kicking and all sorts of things was going on. Um, so, freshened up... Um, that injury has allowed every other niggle, to, I assume, to heal. And that's terrifying for the rest of the competition. Absolutely. It is. <laughs> Man uh, of the match performance. Yeah. I don't have much more to add. Uh, two points to Yo and, uh, yeah, pick one. I gave McGinnis two. Uh, we probably Just should. to be putting out 80-odd tackles. And yeah, I think we probably he made should. Near 100 metres as well with the ball in hand. And then I had Yo or um, Taruva for the one. Actually, Luai for in the conversation with Yo, 
Uh, and yeah, I, I will make a point of saying he he was brilliant in this game, uh, and he's been brilliant the Sorry. last month, uh, because obviously we've been harsh on him at times, uh, but <laughs> everything's clicking now for Penrith. And um, what, are they dollar night? Are they odds on to win the comp? Because they should be. They'd have 40. to be. I'd reckon they're a dollar ninety. Only, like I said, two teams that can beat them, uh, barring serious injury or you know the bus running off the road. Um, it is very scary. Uh, the Sunday afternoon, it was going so well too. I was six from six up until Sunday. That's how it finished. Um, <laughs> as Bundaberg saw the Bulldogs fire a Matt Burton field goal on halftime and, um, maybe some wind around some goal kicking for Izako. We'll blame that. Uh, defeat the Dolphins 23-22. Uh, but they were in the game though. This was a pretty close contest, man. He'd be pretty um pretty upset with that shank to finish the game. It was, it was in a position he would have backed well, himself I to would kick suggest he ninety five percent of the time. Ninety yeah, ninety eight out of a hundred. Yeah. Uh yeah, dogs twenty three, dolphins twenty two, four tries apiece, three out of four conversions for the dogs, two out of four for the dolphins. One out of one penalty attempt for the dolphins, one out of one field goal attempt for the dogs, and a missed two point field goal attempt right on half time. From Azako, who didn't miss that by far either. Uh, 67% completion, played 76% for the Dolphins, 104 plus post contact meters for Redcliffe. Well, it's not Redcliffe, it's the 28 tackle bus to 49, eight line breaks to seven, seven offloads to 13, two forced dropouts from the Dogs, one from the Dolphins, 323 tackles, played 305, 12 errors, played nine, one ruck infringement to two. Nine penalties conceded by the Dogs, eight conceded by the Dolphins. Jeremy Marshall-King with 95 supercoach points, Jared Wallace with 95, and Young Wilson with 89 for the Bulldogs. And that is They're still stuck into each other in this one. Mm. They are um, very physical. I expected um, more of a game of touch footy, to be honest, than, um, which didn't really eventuate at any point. Um, they were they were pretty keen on getting stuck into each other and be physical in the middle of the field, and it ended up being a very good matchup actually, which I thought the dogs probably just um, just won at the back end of the game. Uh, nice try to start off with Izako going down the right hand side for for the Dolphins, and then Kikau's long awaited return ended up in the meat in meat pie, nice and early in the game. Um, you could just see that coming. They were setting up for it for about five or ten minutes before it happened. They kept looking for him, and then yeah, they got him close enough, and he just barreled over a couple of them. Uh, it's quite good in this game, I thought as well. Avril and Burns had some really nice pace and burnt their their opposition. Burns, I thought, was very good in this game. Yeah, um, it was fantastic. Stats don't line up as him being like ultra brilliant or anything like that, but I thought. He had some really good moments in this game to uh, up against his opposition in uh, Aitken out there, and they actually took turns for about 15 minutes of just burning each other. <laughs> one one had beat, turn around, and um, Aitken would do the same back to Burns, and that, that went on for probably 10 or 15 minutes where they're just terrorising each other on an edge. Um, and it was, a, it was a good matchup. It was probably one of the better match matchups in the game. Um, yeah, dogs seem to get the ascendancy in the middle of the field, which I don't think I've said more than two or three times this this season. Uh, it was good to see, to be honest. Uh, but the Dolphins did look more threatening out wide and uh, creating a few more opportunities than 
probably the dogs did at different times. And um, I'm not sure what happened there, but they just didn't, didn't seem to be able to finish them off the way that they have done earlier in the year. Um, Hammer didn't seem to chime in as much as he was. Um, it, the halves sort of got bogged down a couple of times, but. I don't know how much, how disjointed it is from the swapping. Yeah, Nicarima, Milford, Hammer, mm-hmm. Nicarima, yeah, Milford, true. O'Sullivan, um, the 5'8", who's not here, who I've just had a brain freeze on, uh, Katoa. Um, yeah, I don't know how much of that is that, but you've, you've summed up pretty well. The, the what key ones I wanted to talk about, wanted to talk about were Burns. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've covered off Aitken. It was a nice touch to for that second last try for Taware. Um a nice run for him, I should yes. say. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Taking plenty with him. Uh, I'm sort of treating this as it was what it was. Like, um, I, I can't... Uh, Bulldogs are good, though. I, I can't say they didn't deserve to win, uh, despite the fact that, you know, the, the game ended with a forward pass, um, a blatant forward pass that was missed. Um, or didn't end, but that was the, the winning try. Um, yep. I thought for the most of that second half, Bulldogs are probably the better team, so you can't really begrudge them. And so all these teams down there deserve some luck at some point. So um, that like yep. that's my takeaway. What I'm going to say about the rest of them. My, my only other thought is I actually have some concerns for the Dolphins next season. In that we haven't seen any replenishment, like we haven't they haven't blooded middle. the young yeah. middles yet. These are 35 year olds now. Uh, yep. That's probably harsh, but whatever they are. Early 30s, mid 30s. Uh, they were the right signings at the time. But in a year's time, you'd hope half of these are new faces. We've seen Lemuelu come through, but that's it. And I feel like mid to late next season, uh, you'd want to. F- and Flegler's coming, so that will help. Trying out uh, for two or three uh, younger you forwards. Need, yeah. And I know they've got. I know we've sort of mentioned, and we just haven't seen them, some of those young, spruiked. Um, underage origin forwards they signed to start with. So I assume they're up the sleeve. I wouldn't mind seeing some of them before the end of the year. But, um, yeah, you might in the next couple of weeks yeah. if they're out of the running in two or three just, weeks. Just time, see what's there because that, that that's sort of a concern I have that they did what they had to do to start a club, but now I wonder what's here in, in 12 months' time. Good point. Yeah, very yeah. good point. I thought Wilson and Caraz were good on the edges for the dogs. Um, you mentioned Burns was fantastic. The halves, I thought, had... Uh, pretty strong showing in this yeah. game. King and King and Kickow were really good in the middle of the field. Um, they they caused a lot of problems there, and Preston was great again, just doing all that nasty work that most people don't want to get involved in. Asake, Asake Tawari, you mentioned, and Aiken, they they were all good out on the edges. Cody was dangerous again when he did get mm-hmm. involved. Um, nice little try there back into the game, or involvement in the try. Jesse Bromwich and Kafusi were good, all very good. Um, as you mentioned, they probably need another one or two guys coming through there. Jeremy Marshall King was awesome on his return again. Uh, he's another one that just tackles everything that moves and it's got a good setup for him out of dummy half. And I thought Jared Wallace was brilliant in this game for the Dolphins. I thought he was probably the man of the match for okay. mine. Yeah. Again, just working his backside out. Good, strong, aggressive runs. Uh, some bit of a second phase play as well. So I actually gave it to... to um, to Wallace, I then gave Preston or Sexton the two points. We didn't touch on Preston, but um, two very solid Probably back Preston. row. Two very solid back row options now. Um, yeah, just maybe a quick word on him. 
Oh, again, he's another one. He's starting to feel a bit like Jermaine Hopgood for mine. Um, yeah. He's got a nice offload. He doesn't produce it as much as Hopgood, but uh, it runs a really strong line. Uh, more than happy to just continually tackle anything that gets within uh, gets near him. He's got quite a good tackling technique as well, so you don't see him miss a lot. Um, still got some, you know, still got a bit of growing to do into that body of his as well. So. I expect that when he fills out over the next one or two years, he's probably going to become one of the dominant back rowers in the in the competition. But um, yeah, he had a fantastic game. And then I had so yeah, Preston for two, and then Jeremy Marshall King or Sexton for the one. I really only looked at Sexton because the Bulldogs ended up winning the game. Um, he did have a couple of nice. He had two try involvements, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but Jeremy Marshall King probably had a better overall game than Sexton. Yeah, I think so. Go with that. Uh, Honorary mentioned Braden Burns as well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, All righty. And we wrap the uh, round up with the 22-13 upset <laughs> of the Titans over the Cowboys. Uh, stats here, Barn. Four tries to two. Three out of four conversions played two out of two for the Cowboys. Uh, one out of one field goal attempt for the Cowboys and a sin bin for the Cowboys. 13-10 at halftime, 82% completion played, 78%. 328-plus running metres for the Titans, six line breaks to one, 47 tackle busts to 26, 10 offloads to seven. Five force dropouts from the Titans team and a 40-20. 321 tackles played, 336. 12 errors to nine, six penalties conceded to nine, one ruck infringement to two, one inside the 10 against the Titans. Philip Sammy with 99 supercoach points, Khan Pereira with 98, and then you had four other Titans players before you got down to Cohen Hess on 63 for the Cowboys. In a, like the Cowboys are an energy-based team across the board. Did this feel like they spent a lot of time hanging back yeah, in defense? absolutely it did. Yeah. Should have known better, you know, like this comp's been that close. These guys have been on a tear for six, seven weeks. It was always going to happen. And it was always going to happen to someone against someone that you really thought was no chance of beating them. Like it's, it's just the way that this season's played out that sure enough, it's the Titans. Nobody gave a chance to came up and they played quite well in this yeah. game, to be honest. Well, they were, they were, they were, I wouldn't say they're flattered because they did play really well, but the fact that there was so much space, this Titans town was mm. made for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, they, they ground up the metres early, but they really um, went out of their way to pressure the the edges of the Cowboys, which probably not a lot of teams have done recently just because they haven't had the opportunity because the Cowboys have been so red hot. But um, once they did get out there, the likes of Sammy, Khan Pereira, David Fafita were causing all sorts of problems on the edges for the Cowboys and they just couldn't seem to find a way back in there. Um, I don't know why the Cowboys were so stagnant in their defensive line. Um, hasn't been that way since, what, eight, ten weeks ago no. when they were playing quite poorly. But, um, yeah, as you mentioned, it was something that really did stand out with their, their defence sitting back quite a lot against this Titans team. Yeah, and they've got a, they've got the draw coming in a couple of weeks, but maybe fatigue just catching up after that run. Uh, they're about to get, you know, bashed up by the Bri Brisbane as well. That's... You would assume so, yeah. Um, they like the Cowboys were looked well on top in the first little exchanges of the game. You know, I think it was the Titans scored first for, with a nice break yeah. 
Yeah. And then AJ off the kick off Cam Pereira. But then the Cowboys went sort of bang, bang, uh, nice shift to an edge. And then a kick back across for Hess to score next to the post. And you just sort of thought, okay, this is the way this is going to go. You know, Cowboys are going to score two to Titans every tackle and uh, every try. And then um, the Sinbin really seemed to kill off a whole heap of momentum for the Cowboys. And um, the Titans jumped, jumped on the back of it. As soon as there was down to 12 men, they were... They're pouring through the middle with one and two quick play the balls, and then they were getting to the edges. And Sammy and Brian Kelly, I thought, had a really good game in this yeah. one too. There was a couple of times he folded across to the other side of the field and got involved with, um, you know, setting up Sammy to go away and then put the the winger away at, at the end of the at the end of the play. And uh, there was two really nice runs where he went into the line, drew two defenders, and got an offload around the corner. And both of those. Re- um, ended up in points for the Titans. Uh, they, were, they were a couple of really big moments, I thought, for for them. Um, and the Cowboys never really seemed to get back into it. Even when Holmes did come back onto the field, they just um, always seemed two steps behind the Titans, who were, were up and running by then and just didn't really let the momentum up. Uh, Campbell and AJ were buzzing around, causing a few problems. And, yeah, the um, Cowboys just couldn't seem to slow down the Titans' attack. Um, what you said, you can about Kelly, you can add to Carl Pereira as well. I thought he was great here. Uh, again, suited by that up-tempo stuff, broken field. They're um, a terrifying broken field team when you've got so many like that. And then Jaden Campbell, you know, popping in with his 20-minute, 20 25-minute cameo, doing the same thing. At their best, they should be scarier than what perhaps they've produced at times. Um, yeah, Fafita was really good on that edge mm-hmm. as well. Um, he... His consistency this year is what's blown me away. Like yeah. he's gone from being a bloke, as we mentioned, can tear a game apart in 10 or 15 minutes, but he's now putting 60 minutes on the back of that 10 minutes as well. So <laughs> he's putting in 60 minutes of tough, hard grinding work and then putting five or 10 minutes spurt together where he can just, you know, blow an edge apart once or twice in the space of five or 10 minutes. So. Which is all we've wanted from him. Mm. Uh, and Mo matched him in metres. Yeah, uh, in his fifty minutes on the field as well, so that all helps. Uh, yeah, I can't really can't wrap a lot of the. Just trying to think who I always want to talk about from the other side. Um, Valame's been a great pickup for him. You know, cool. He's a good try scorer. Yeah, yeah, he's strong. Yeah. Um, he's keeping uh, old mate felt out of the side, but um, he's probably one of the better ones. Yeah, him, him and Tualangi tried very hard. You know, but um. There's not a lot else here. Clean and Robson were pretty good in yeah. the middle of the field for him, uh, but that was about as far as it went, really. Um, Chad was decent, and um, Cohen Hess tried in the middle, but I haven't seen the Cowboys' pack get thoroughly beaten the, the way that the Titans did to him, and they're missing Tino as well. So. I I think the run's over. I think that'll do them. That'll do the Cowboys. You can pack up now. Mm-hmm. They got, uh, right. got Brisbane and they got Penrith in two in three weeks. So, yeah. uh, you know, oh sorry, four weeks. Be quite a few bruises coming yeah, out. There is the a buy in there, um, which will help Sharks and Dolphins are the other two. Uh, yep. If they play like this, uh, it's right up Sharks Alley. I know Sharks have to find that alley again. Went wrong street yeah, at the Sharks moment. Need to find, need to find <laughs> a fucking car to get. And who knows what? Um, who knows what the Dolphins and they might produce? But, uh, yeah. I think that's that might be it. We'll finish on that note. 
Uh, how are you? Um, I think we mentioned pretty much everyone from the Titans, mm-hmm. except for Foreign. I thought Foreign's kicking oh, yeah. game at the back end was actually crucial in um, being able to settle He's the fired up down these. and get them away. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was getting his foot. He, he stopped quite a few little grubbers through and managed to stop them and scrap and grab the ball and turn it back over. His um, short kicking game towards the line at the back end of the game killed off a bit of um, the Cowboys' momentum trying to get back down the other end of the field and. Yeah, I thought I thought um, his experience and kicking game at the back end was very very good for them. So, and Tanner Boyd did some good things as well. Aaron Clark was a very strong contributor as well, mm-hmm. which is another one that we probably didn't mention. And Verrill's getting into some good work now. Oh, Randall was fantastic uh, as well. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what's happened to that bloke. The last three weeks, he's been. Oh, sorry, I meant killer. to say Randall, but there was times he was running and he looked like AJ, um, yeah. in a bit of with a bit of space and time. So, um, he was good. Uh, he's, he's been very good for him actually all year. So, uh, how are you giving up some points here? Uh, well, well are they, there's still a hope of this final side. They need to win all of them, so maybe not. Yeah, they need to win them all, but yeah, they can um, they can cause some problems for the guys that are trying to get in there. Mm. I had Fafita, man of the match. Um, just as I said, mentioned the amount of work he got through. There was a, a I think there was a try in there and a try assist as well. Um, I had Randall as the as with the two points, and then I I had Sammy or four and for the one. I think Sammy. Give it to him. All right, time to take it home, Barn. Your pot plant of the week. Uh, Wonga Blake. <laughs> okay. I thought again he was very poor in this game. Um, three errors, made two tackles, missed three. Um. He did have 13 runs for a, a hole of about 80 metres, but um, you can throw in a couple of times where he just was completely out of position and, got, and exposed his inside and outside, well, his inside men and his fullback to just being, um, you know, points just coming straight down that side, especially back end, that Warbrick try really shouldn't have been scored with him being so far off his wing once again. And um, I, it baffles me how he continually gets a spot in first grade. I know they don't have Sivo there, but surely there's a kid somewhere. Well, you'd think so, yeah. I, uh, In a similar vein, I'm going to go with, uh, well, Parramatta's first port of call, but um, I'm going to go with the Canberra Raiders outside backs, actually. I thought they were just well exposed and sluggish yep. at times. So they were, yeah, put to shame by the sharp and uh, crisp ball movement of the Knights. Have you got a slap this week? Yeah, it's Braden Trindle. For mine, he's had two clear-cut opportunities now to do something and some any spot in this team. He's managed to keep his position again, but um, when you know he's a lot better than what he's been putting out these last two games. He's He does have a running game. He's got a nice short passing game and kicking game, and um, it's he seems to just be sort of running himself into dead ends at the moment and getting caught with the ball or um, making mistakes off the back of it, which is... Um, I don't know if that's something to say to his temperament and um, his mentality recently. It obviously doesn't help when your team's getting belted to the bejeebas on all parts of the field, but um, I really want to see him step up and cement that spot and get, get into the halves position for the Sharks. I'm actually going to slap everyone involved with the RLPA and NRL negotiations. The fact this is still going on <laughs> a month out from the finals is frankly farcical. Uh, and just when you think about as well, like I said, they're missing the boat on the NRLW. Started in Christmas, didn't it? It started before, before Christmas. Christmas, yeah, because there was they were going to boycott trials, whatever they were going to do back then. Um, yeah. The fact, as I said, you, you you 
you're costing the NRLW its own publicity, uh, which potentially is taking the you know food off their plates. By that's not a big point exposure. to be honest, because th- that would be a massive thing, especially with the kickoff to this season about how they could get in and around some of the girls in the game that yep. haven't are yet to be known. These new teams that have come in, it's yeah, it's very poor. Well, and, and even because like, I've watched a few games and I've you know fall in love with a few players just through their efforts and that's without knowing who they are. So get behind them and support it. And then you, you put on top of that, they, they would have planned this trip to Perth all year, your doubleheader in Perth to, to promote yep. rugby league and we've got nothing. Duck egg from it. So get your shit together. Whoever, whatever needs to be done, uh, whether it needs to be a hard line from NRL and start again or whatever, it, it's becoming farcical. So you can all have a slap. Uh, who are we finishing with a salute for, though? Oh, that's to be Jerome Hughes. I thought it was his best game that he's played. Obviously, Julie assisted from Harry Grant um, there, but I mentioned the stats earlier, four try assists, a try, um, <laughs> tackle bus, line breaks, line break assists. He was absolutely brilliant, and um, I think it's the best game I've seen probably out of a half this year, um, let alone in, out of his career. That's um, yeah, it's brilliant. I'm, I'm going to salute the Penrith halves, but especially Jerome Lua, uh, because I've been harsh at times, but he's playing quite well. I'm sure that Bulldogs contract is calling for him. Uh, and Nathan Cleary, like, again, we, he's not at his best season, uh, and he was absolutely fantastic in that game. Just uh, had the ball on a string, looked uh, back to his best. I uh, can't believe neither is... Uh, saluted McGuinness, but let's table that as a joint salute. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, changing tack slightly, uh, I'm going to salute Stuart Broad because uh, I was up early this morning, but uh, the days of me living and dying by the Australian cricket team are well and truly over. And to me, you know, <laughs> sport is theatre, and that was absolute theatre this morning, watching him get the last couple of wickets uh, in his final test match. A uh, bloke, you know, plenty of Australians hate but uh, well-deserved, fantastic career, and I enjoyed the finish to that test match thoroughly. It helped that I had a buttload of money on England to win, so um, <laughs> that made the, uh, the lack of sleep even more worth it. Uh, it's been Footy and Frothies. Check out rugbyleaguemerch.com. Get some hats, get some beanies. Uh, give us some feedback on YouTube. We've seen some great stuff on YouTube. Thanks to everyone who's subscribed there. Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, and Facebook and Threads. Take care, guys, and very soon we'll be recording our preview. Tune in for that as well. Catch ya. Bye.